When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the Big 12 College Football Betting Preview. I'm stuck in joining me, as always, is Colin Wilson. Is Texas back or not? We will get to that. Colin, ready to talk some Big 12, which is now 14 and will be 13 next year. Subject to change. What's going on? I mean, you show up to the Big 12 Media Days, and it's a relaxed atmosphere, relaxed culture, and a lot of confidence. And, you know, in this battle between the commissioner of the Big 12 and the commissioner of the Pac-12 to see who is going to essentially eat the other and soak up some teams and have the best TV deal, the Big 12 is obviously the winner. Colorado, Neon, Dion, primetime, jumping ship, coming to this conference, got to wait a year for it. But until then, we get this jumbo version of the big 12 at 14 teams now we thought they were going to go down to 12 but obviously we're popping back up to 14 well and then i think believe brett tweeted that one to three teams are going to join colorado so i think the i mean we all know that arizona is extremely interested are those other two teams oregon and washington is it arizona state i don't know we'll figure it out but this year we got a 14 team big 12 jumbo sized yeah, very interesting. We have four new teams in the Big 12 and UCF, Cincy, Houston, and BYU. Interestingly enough, a couple coaches that have coached at the Power Five level. You have Gus Malzahn at UCF. Uh, you have our boy Satterfield at Cincy and Holgerson at Houston, who has done this before at West Virginia when his teams went from the Big East to the Big 12. They were 10 and 3 in their last year in the Big East. They went 7 and 6 and then 4 and 8 in their next two years. Obviously, every situation is different, but just thought I'd throw that nugget out. Uh, to give you just a little quick lay of the land, there are 14 teams, as we mentioned, four are new, only one new head coach, and that's at Cincy. Six new offensive coordinators at TCU, West Virginia, Cincy, Houston, Iowa State, and UCF. Five new defensive coordinators, Baylor, BYU, Cincy, Oak State, and UCF. Six, eh, probably about six new quarterbacks. Maybe some other battles and some other things could happen. <clears throat> Cough, Iowa State. Teams that have the same head coach, offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, and quarterback. Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech we can throw in there, although they used a bunch of different quarterbacks last year. Number of potential quarterback battles out there. But let's start with 
the question that everyone's going to ask is texas back the prairie skies are wide and high deep in the heart of texas the question the age-old question where the answer has always been no they are about close to even money to 12 win total over nine and a half minus 135 last year i would say disappointing eight and five but all five losses were by one possession easily could have had a much better year they have only i mean if you look back they have not won 10 games in the regular season or won the big 12 since 2009 it's almost been 15 years is their last chance to do it before they move on they also only gone over their one win total once in the past 10 years um it's been a a very good under bet every year as the hype generally gets too big for Texas in the state where everything is bigger except the Texas wind total, which can never be low enough, apparently. So the question is, is Texas back? They're 22 to 1 to win the national title. Quinn Ewers is back. This We talked about this. We like I, – I, spoiler alert. I know we, we just got done doing a podcast of the Big Ten where we had so much agreement. Well – about a month or two ago when we were recording an off-season podcast, we both said that we love Texas at plus money to win the Big 12. This, I mean, what could go wrong? But uh, this is a roster that is finally like SEC caliber as far as depth. The offensive line is finally there. I love the defense this year. The They are loaded at the skill position players. Uh, you know, they did lose B. John Robinson. It will be a loss. But Sark finally has built this. I mean, the recruiting classes, the portal, this team is deep. They're good in the trenches. I finally trust their defense. I finally trust the offensive line. It all comes down to Quinn Ewers. Now, if he doesn't hit and live up, to, I mean, basically what he has to do is get better downfield passing. So, like, did bringing Manning in, who's, who's the number three quarterback. Remember, they have a, another kid who's number two, who's also really good. Um, Ewers was, you know, 39% on throws of 15-plus yards downfield. It's basically comes down to his footwork. And, you know, that's what TCU did, said throw downfield, and he couldn't do it. That's where he has to become more consistent. If he can take that next step, this is easily a top-five team in the country, and they are capable of winning the national title. So I'll ask you, is Texas back? And what? And how are you attacking the Longhorns, if so? Uh, Texas is back. Sound the alarms. Yeah, sound the alarms. So rolls enough that both are faded love, and let's all dance. If you're going to play in Texas... If you want to start the meter on me saying media days, we can start there. But I would like to say in the history of BBOC or Dijon Juice, since you and I started this, I've never said that. I have never been on this team being back. When the, in the Herman days, I was, hey, I'm playing them as an underdog, you know, and, and even with Sark, I said, we got to have a couple of years here before we start claiming they're going to win the Big 12. We're there. We're there. There, There is not a single crack that I can find in this team. And if the crack is Quinn Ewers, that's okay. Because you mentioned Arch Manning is right there ready to take over. I would argue that Malik Murphy might be the best quarterback in this stable, right? I mean, it goes that deep. Yeah. He's listed as the two, I believe, right now. Right, right. So, you know, Ewers came to media days with a completely different attitude a year later. The mullet is gone. The white snake Marlboro cigarettes look is gone. His body is in much better shape. I think all the quarterbacks are having like a, a body fat competition. Uh, there is a more professional feeling to how the players conduct themselves. 
Sark knows it's the no, answer. It's no longer business in the front part in the back. It's all right. business. I think that was his snapshot. And yeah, they seem to be getting along and embracing the competition. And I think viewers needed that. I mean, you hear some of the things that Ohio State before, it's like, and this is what I really want to see. And you'll see this early against Alabama. Can he, did he put in the time in the offseason with his body, his footwork, and to improve that downfield passing? And I think, you know, the expectations, the competition, it could have went one way, right? It could have went like, F right. this but it seems to have gone in the positive direction from afar. Yeah, so it's all gone in a positive direction, more professional, which they needed to be. In the transfer portal, they went out and got A.D. Mitchell from Georgia. He's going to join Xavier Worthy, which means you're not going to be able to double coverage either of these guys, give them single coverage and jump ball, you know, 50-50s. They can own a lot of those. No Bajon Robinson, I would say no problem. Cedric Baxter is a great running back. Jonathan Brooks may be better. The whole running back stable is unbelievable. When you can replace Bajon Robinson and not even blink, that is saying something about your depth. They travel outside the state of Texas just twice. You know, this is a team that mathematically has it too. Sark's team last year, top 20 in offensive success rate, finishing drives, havoc allowed. Go to the defensive side. Listen, Patterson came in to help Pete Kwiatkowski with the, with the scheme, the the three five, three three five, the quarters, the cover three. They finished top twenty five in defensive success rate. They finished tenth in defensive finishing drives. Every single signal is there from player personnel to coach to the mathematics. This team is winning the conference. Now let's talk about price, right? Because one book opened these guys one fifty, and I went I went and got limited. One forty was good. One thirty was good. One twenty was good. What is the number, the true odds about the probability of Texas finishing in slot one or two? No divisions here. Don't have to worry about it. What's the chances of Texas finishing third in this conference? The true odds on this are minus 140 to be in the in the Big 12 championship game. So is there value in plus 105 or even minus 110? The answer is yes. I would buy Texas all the way up to minus 120. There is still room here to buy this. And I think it's going to continue to steam now that everybody in the month of August has no sports to watch whatsoever. And they just flip into a college football preview magazine and see that Texas, you know, is back. I think this number is still going to steam. So I would go out and grab it. I would stop buying at minus 120. It's unfathomable stuck if this team would finish third or less in this conference. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I've been waiting to bet these things this year before the podcast to come out for each conference. And I think anything at plus money plus a hundred plus one ten is fine. I'll be betting that shortly. I already have bet it when we were back when we were doing that podcast a few months ago, they do. I will say they do play all five of the other top six teams in my power ratings for the big 12. They only have four big 12 home games because they play Oklahoma on a neutral field, but I have them close to over a touchdown favorites in that game. They do go to Baylor and TCU. They host Kansas State, Texas Tech. They also go to Alabama. It's not an easy schedule, but, you know, I'm not a fan. Well, we're going to get to all these other teams, but I think Kansas State, I'm lower than the market on. I'm lower than the market on Baylor. I am lower than the market on TCU. So add all those up, and I do think, I agree, I think Texas is back. I mean, look, they were close to being back last year. They should have beat Alabama. All the pressure they were getting didn't translate to sacks. There's a lot of, there's like some, you know, they were two and five in one possession games. All five losses were by one possession. Like, they were close to being back. And one more year with another top five recruiting class, a progression of viewers is the key. But there's quarterback depth if needed. Oh, and by the way, don't forget about my boy Isaiah Nair. 
back from an ACL injury. I will always love him because he got that amazing cover against Boise State when he was at Wyoming on like the meaningless Hail Mary at the end of the game. I think it was a Friday night game. We'll always love him. And I just got a call here from yeah, sources inside the state of Arkansas are saying the reason Colin now has – Colin has bought – wait, he said he bought all the – I'm trying to hear this message – all the Texas futures. No, all the Texas jerseys. We have Sark follows him and Jalen Catalan is now in Texas. There yeah. are rumors that Colin is becoming a Texas fan and changing allegiances. Any truth to this? Jalen Catalan being on this roster was like – I mean, that. I mean, what a steal for – Kwiatkowski and for Sark to get him to come on that defense. He was a leader for Arkansas, couldn't stay healthy. Uh, one of the best secondary players we've had in recent years. He is going to be such a plus-plus player for the Longhorns. Uh, yeah, I will ride this Texas thing, and then uh, Sark and I will have to have a conversation next year when the SEC media days are in Dallas, and I have to bid him a farewell as uh, I will still be backing my boy Pitt. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I met this. It was a really funny story. I was when I was out west this month. Oh, and, and by the way, a little secret. It's like the about to be the first weekend of August. I got to pull up the exact name of it. I bought my wife this like new, amazing. She sent me like a text about this a while ago. It's it's, it's not even that expensive. It's like it's called Thicker Than Thick Coma Inducer Comforter. It comes with like and it is the most comfortable thing I ever bought it for. She's like laying and the dog loves it. It's just, it's it's really comfortable. It's this huge plush. Uh, go on Amazon. You can search it. It's called just search thicker than thick. Don't Google that. Some other things might come up for that. But coma inducer king comforter. This is the time. Take a couple dates here and there. Buy a little couple gifts. It's the time to sweeten uh, and build those brownie points up. But we were just out west on vacation, and then we were in a we were on a uh, safari in the Grand Tetons. We and our our guide, by the way, said it was the best moose sighting he's had in two years we saw like these five moose and there were four bull moose which are usually not together hopefully those those are the only moose i'll be seeing all year but th there was this lovely couple um that were sitting next to me they were older really nice i could tell that they were southern and then i, I get to talk with them and then the the guy says uh we were talking about oh we saw a snake and then the, the woman says oh we have we have uh rattlesnakes in our farm in central arkansas I said, oh, where, where are you from? Where are you from in Central Arkansas? And they said, Dad, you wouldn't know that. So, but we obviously wouldn't talk about sports. I said, it's near, near UCA? And they were like, yeah, how do, how do you know UCA? And, uh, <laughs> so they live right, like a farm right by UCA, assuming Conway. And then I said, Woo Pig Suey? Woo Pig Suey. Like questioning. And the guy said, ah, depend, depends on the Saturday. So football is in the air for sure. We will get to... Uh, the SEC. We'll break that up in two episodes. Uh, we do that last, as always. But yeah, Texas at Alabama. I cannot wait for that game. That should be a you cracker. Think the too high. And you think the numbers too high. It's yeah, seven. of course. Yeah. yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Any, anything seven or above, I'll, I will hundred percent be on Texas for sure. I can't wait for that game. There's going to be so much hype for that game. I also will say before we move on to some of these other teams in the Big Twelve, Texas against Rice, Week One. Rice brings in JT Daniels, who can run that like complex pro style offense. They'd want to grind the clock down, new clock rules. Texas is like national title hopes aren't completely contingent on week two, but revenge, Sark gets Alabama, all the hype. Texas ain't going to show much this game. They're pulling everyone. I don't know if I want to bet Rice 
like for the game or wait for the second half if Texas is up big. But I can't imagine Texas doesn't do yeah work. They'll work out their work on some rust early. They're not going to show anything that they've been doing, and then they let's stay healthy in the second half. That number is sitting at thirty-five. Um, I think Rice will be a little better. Um, could get ugly, but that's a dog I've targeted for week one, just on the spot alone, and what what I think Sark and company will do as far as what they're showing, and then when they're pulling everyone. Well, Rice is actually trying to run tempo now, uh, and yes, that's true. Yeah, so I think. The play, the look for me there, and I agree with you. I mean, it's a spot like they're going to go. Texas is going to be so vanilla. They're going to be into their third string by the third quarter. Uh, and because of that reason, I think the better play is the over. If Rice thinks that they want to go tempo against the firepower yeah. Texas has, yeah, sign me up for an over there. But 59 is key, so we'll keep an eye on it for week one. All right, so let's move on to the rest of the Big 12. We obviously have to talk about TCU, mm-hmm. who just made it to the national championship, your beloved Horn Frogs, they are 20 to 1 to win the Big 12. And then your defending Big 12 champs aren't. It's not actually TCU. It's Kansas State. They are 6 to 1 to win the Big 12. Win total over 7.5 at BetMGM minus 175. Obviously, it's going to be a touch higher than that. If you look elsewhere, TCU over 7.5 minus 140. Let's start there with TCU and Kansas State. I will say Kansas State has five Big 12 home games. They only avoid OU out of the top six. Obviously, they don't play themselves as well. When you look at Kansas State, their top eight offensive linemen return. Will Howard comes back. They do lose their star running back, Vaughn, which is important. They lose Knowles and Warner at wide receiver. I am worried about their secondary, and they lost their top pass rusher to the NFL. So there's definitely Huggins as well at nose tackle. So there's some holes here. I'm most worried about, hey, look, you don't have the the wide receiver room, especially with Vaughn no longer there. The offensive line is going to be great. They're going to be who they are. But I'm also worried about the secondary, and especially if the pass rush takes a hit. Do start off with a fairly easy schedule, but they do go to Texas. That's Kansas State. And then when you look at TCU, Kansas State, we talked about some losses. There's a ton of losses here. Lost eight to the NFL draft. Three others signed as free agents. 11 total. They were six and one in one possession games. They got like every break possible. Great turnover margins. I mean, you name it. Comeback wins, close wins. Chandler Morris, your boy. Uh, He's back at quarterback. Was a starter to start last year. He'll now be the quarterback. And your other boy. Bryles, this is this would be your other team. Yeah, you thought you loved TCU last year. You got Morris and Bryles reunion, um, but they lost. You know their top two receivers. They lost some key offensive linemen. Their defense is a lot more experienced. I mean, there's seven returning starters compared to three on the offensive side of the ball. But they lost a couple pros on defense as well. But you would think in Gillespie year two, some improvement there potentially, more comfortable in that three three five scheme. However, TCU, not only do they have that regression, they're now the hunted, and they play all five other top six projected teams, and they own and they have five big 12 road games. I will say they could potentially start seven and oh. You know, I mean, like n- none of their games are going to be easy being the hunted. They, I mean, they go to Houston, they go to Iowa State, but that now looks a lot easier. But their other games in the first seven, Colorado at home, Nichols at home, SMU at home, West Virginia at home, BYU at home. With all that change, and they did really attack the portal and brought in a lot of talent there. 
they could start seven and zero, and then it's really tough to end the season at Kansas State, at Texas Tech, Texas Baylor, at Oklahoma. What do you see? We'll start with Kansas State. Any value there with the Wildcats? I believe Kansas State kind of gets the Army treatment with my mathematics. And the reason is because Army is a system that runs a certain offense that can surprise anybody on Saturday. Or at least that's what it's been in the past. They were. Right. And Kansas State, their secondary and wide receivers are taking a massive hit. And it's going to be a real problem for this team. But when it comes to the offensive line, this is the best offensive line depth in the entire conference. Cooper Beebe may be the best offensive lineman in the entire conference. Hadley Panzer is good at guard too. So they're still, you know, KT Levinson, the tackle is coming back. They are loaded on the offensive line and that fits what Chris, Chris Kleinman wants to do. And offensive coordinator, Optimus Klein, you know, Colin Klein is still there. He had a really successful year as the offensive coordinator. Will Howard went 15 and four T to INT ratio. We did not think he was capable of just picking up Adrian Martinez after injury, producing the way that he did. So I'm not sure I want to count them out. And then you say, well, Deuce Vaughn and Malik Knowles depart, but Treshawn Ward comes in from Florida State from the transfer portal. I can't speak to if he, he's got the same, you know, ability to hold on to the ball and not fumble like Deuce Vaughn, who I think had two in his entire career at Kansas State, but Treshawn Ward is just as elusive. So I expect this running game to be just as powerful, plow just as many holes, and they still have a playmaker in the backfield that can move around and score touchdowns. I think the the problem is the secondary. Now, how much do I mark them off for that? I have their win total closer to seven than I do to eight. So under is the play. But when I say that I think Kansas State has broke the model, it's because Kleiman's out trying to find guys for his system. He's not out trying to get five stars. And if you can go through the portal and find guys from North Dakota State or guys that are in a system similar to what you want, it's not going to show up in an Excel sheet, but it's going to damn well show up in the trench. So I, you know, their secondary is going to be a mess. That's going to be a problem. I would say the play is the under, but I am not fading this team. Yeah, I kind of have the same sentiment. I, I lean under as well. I would probably won't bet it. They are, are, you know, I am worried about a bit of regression. Yeah, turnovers, they were really fortunate, but that's just kind of the way that they play. The, yeah. What I'm more worried about is, and look, their secondary has major questions, and then you lose your primary edge rusher out in the first round of the NFL draft. Like that, that combo isn't great. Their special teams could take a major hit, and that, um, was a strength last year, and that could swing a couple close games. You lose Zender to the NFL. He did their kick kickoffs, was money kicking, and an elite punter. They lose him, and then Knowles was an elite returner. Um, I think he had a couple touchdowns even called back. So that could cost them a couple close games. Speaking of you know regression candidates, I think everyone knows it's like, hey, TCU, everything went right last year. Right. Six and one, one possession games, you know, very good turnover margin. Everything just that they needed to go right did until, you know, they ran into Georgia. Still have an elite secondary. Um, I, we still love Gillespie. They really hit the portal hard. But, I mean, it is a team that has 11 players from last year's roster, including their quarterback, you know, their running back, two-star receivers, offensive linemen, all on NFL rosters right now. What do you see with TCU? Does have a, a very tough schedule they did not they lost the big 12 schedule lottery but like i said there is a really good chance that they could start off seven and oh before a rematch with at kansas well, state in manhattan what do you what do you see with your beloved frogs i i, I do love the frogs i love sunny dykes i love hypnotoad 
But then it kind of sours when we get to Kendall Bryles and for Garrett Riley here. So we need to talk about the offensive coordinator change because Garrett Riley is going to take his power spread, power raid over to Clemson, and that's going to leave Kendall Bryles to come in and call his offense. Now, Sonny Dykes at Media Days repeated it over and over and over specifically to me. Kendall Bryles' vision of the offense falls in line with mine exactly. And what Sonny Dykes is trying to tell you right there is that Kendall Bryles runs an offense about three seconds faster than Garrett Riley. It is a version of the air raid, 10-11 inside zone. There's going to be rushing, but it's not going to be the spread out Kendra Miller uh, bash over the guards, over center, uh, you know, Max Duggan being a mobile quarterback. By the way, Max Duggan's not on this roster. He is not the second string quarterback behind Chandler Morris. If Chandler Morris gets hurt or he's inefficient, the list of quarterbacks back here are not Max Duggan, right? Josh Hoover, Nolan, Porter, not the same. Now, they did go to the Jackson's port. gone. He's at Cal. Um, yeah, Jackson's and gone. Yeah, it's like you said, they're going to play. It's going to be a little faster version. Yeah. And then a higher percentage of like quick, a quick, quick passes. And and Sonny Dykes wanted this, so uh, I'll just say like he was very clear that the Kendall Browse offense is the offense that he wants to run. So there are going to be changes. Now you went out and got Trey Sanders and JoJo Earl in the in the portal from Bama. So now you're kind of getting you know guys that have left Bama that didn't get a lot of playing time or as much as they wanted, especially with Trey Sanders. They're going to come in and try to fill these explosive slots. So with the tempo increase, I expect a lot of points, and that's going to play into a play I'm going to make at the end of the podcast. But they still have five Big 12 road games. They do host Texas. You know, they're going to have to be able to find a way defensively to keep on improving. I love Joe Gillespie. There will never be negative narrative around Joe Gillespie. He got them to go from being like 120th defense to like a 90th defense, right? (laughs) 101st in defensive finishing drives. It was a big improvement for TCU last year. But for them to hop up into the 60s, the 50s as a defense, that's going to be a little bit more challenging this year. Win total-wise, I project them closer to seven, about where the market is. But at the end of the podcast, I've definitely got to play on the Frogs. Yeah, Eileen under here. We'll talk about them more. But yeah, I mean, like they added Robinson from UCF, Richardson from Oak State at receiver as well to reload there. Do have some concerns about the interior of the offensive line. The offense is going to take a step back. For sure. Just you can't lose all that talent and not. The defense, I did say still have an elite secondary. It's still very good secondary on paper, but they, they'll miss Winters and Hodges Tomlinson, and then the pass rush might not be as good without Winters and Horton. So we'll see. Um what parts how there. much they yeah, yeah. They still have some really good pieces. Um and brought in some transfers. We'll see if the jump in year two of the Gillespie system can compensate for some of those losses and being more comfortable in that scheme. I lean under here as well, but like looking at the schedule with all these changes, a really good chance that they could start 7-0 and and then really build something again. Yep. But I have a feeling they'll get picked off once or twice. But the turmoil at Iowa State, that road game at Iowa State, that certainly helps them because that was one of their only two road games of their first seven, with Iowa State being the only time they travel out of the state of Texas. Before we go any further, as a reminder, Big Bets on Campus is presented by BetMGM. So get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That is the bonus code ACTION. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, 
New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, mentioned those two teams because they were in the Big 12 Championship last year, and they're both sort of regression candidates replacing some key players that were lost to the NFL. Let's talk about a team that was in the top 10 last year, I believe preseason, or at least some point early in the season, that really disappointed, and that's Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Big 12, they're plus 325 to win the Big 12 at BetMGM. Over 9.5, minus 105. Returned seven starters on O, including Dylan Gabriel, quarterback, and six starters on D. And when you look at their schedule, I would say that they are the – one of the three schedule winners in the Big 12. They do only have four home four home games. That's because they play one against Texas on a neutral field. But they avoid Kansas State, Baylor, and Texas Tech. Three of the other five teams in my projected top six. Look, I, I, I still have questions about the offensive line. The running back room is super young. You know, the wide receivers still, there's a lot of speed. But uh, they need someone just to really step up and replace Mims. That's a big loss. And... Can the defense, like Venables, where are you? What happened last year? Is year two of Venables? Are we going to see an improvement on that defense? We got a long ways to go. It's a work in progress. We're under construction. They added some bulk up front in the portal. You're hoping McCullough from Indiana could come in, fill in that cheetah role. The secondary looks decent at safety. You know, you, you had Pearson. I like Woody Washington at cornerback. There's But there's depth issues across this roster. Yep. So if there's any injuries, you know, and you lost five of your top seven cornerbacks from last year, got to replace a stud punter as well. A lot of questions here. A lot of some love in the market for Oklahoma. Over nine and a half, plus 325 to win the Big 12. It is a pretty manageable schedule. Only four true road games. And one thing I didn't mention, they got a left tackle, right tackle, and right guard now in the NFL. Are you buying Oklahoma bounce back here? Are you buying the Venables bump in year two on this defense? What do you see with the Sooners? Absolutely not buying it from Oklahoma or Brent Venables. I may be in the minority, but the under is a play that I've already made, put into the app. I wasn't going to wait for the podcast. To me, it's not like, oh, everything's great. No, everything ain't great. But you know what? That's good. That's a good thing. Okay? Good. Good. That's good. I just don't think Jeff Levy is a good fit as an offensive coordinator for what Brent Venables is trying to build on the defensive side of the ball. You know, so Dylan Gabriel comes in at quarterback. He had 26% pressure to sack. So some offensive line work has still got to be done there to get him protected. The defense is beefing up with the portal. They only return 50% of their tackles and PBUs. And really that's led by linebacker Danny Stutzman, who is, 
He's not the linebacker that Brent Venables needs to run his defense. It's not the prototypical linebacker that he has had in defensive past. Good. That's good. Venables wants to talk about how Stutzman had, you know, 102 tackles last year. I'd take anybody that's got 102 tackles, 102 tackles. Well, listen, I watched a lot of Arkansas games where Grant Morgan had a billion tackles, but that doesn't mean that we weren't giving up 50 points, right? I mean, because your offense is generating so many possessions, so many snaps, your defense is going to have a lot of chances to have tackles too. Tackles is not a, a good grading factor of how good your middle linebacker is. That's good. 22 missed tackles last year. Some horrific tackling games. Iowa State, one of the worst tackle grades he got all year. Coverage, subpar the entire year. Danny Stutzman is, is, is the linebacker that Venables is depending on, and he has not shown that he can call this defense. That's a good thing, okay? But then you look at the Big 12 schedule. There's no K-State. There's no Texas Tech. There's no Baylor. But I would argue that Oklahoma has come back to the pack of mediocrity. They are way closer to Kansas State and, to, and uh, TCU than they are Texas. That's from a defensive roster perspective. That is from a lot of things. And I just don't believe in what Ted Roof is doing on defense. They don't have the personnel. They don't have the depth. And, yes, they were eighth in portal rankings, but you didn't address the linebacker position with anybody that can take over there. So I actually make this 9.6, but I don't believe that your offense works with the kind of defense that you have and you don't have the depth on defense. And there's going to be more games – like TCU, Texas, when Oklahoma absolutely got their doors blown off. Doors blown off because the defense couldn't get a stop, and I'm supposed to expect that to improve. Every game is going to be the Florida State Bowl, right? Down by 28 because our defense is terrible. Dylan Gabriel will find a way to get us in, in garbage time. He's the new Blake Bortles of the NFL. Like garbage time, he, he can just get us back close up to the number. But I don't believe in Oklahoma whatsoever. I don't know if I'm in the minority in the nation here. I just don't see it. They don't have the personnel on defense to do what they want to do. In a few years, we're going to be in the SEC. Everything that we do matters. But you know what? <laughs> None of it matters. Nobody cares. We, by the way, the weird game in your backyard. They go. They actually go to Tulsa. Their road schedule. It's it's really manageable. I mean, at Tulsa, at Cincy, well, not high on. We'll get to them. At Kansas, at Oak State, at BYU, and then your home games are UCF, West Virginia, TCU, Iowa State, SMU, and Ark State. So that's a reason why their yeah. win total is so high and you're projecting a nine six. I'm a little under nine and a half. Yeah. The one thing I will say is some of their numbers were skewed last year because when Gabriel got hurt, it was disastrous. And the two games got hurt. They just got their doors went off. You're running like a middle school offense. You didn't have a quarterback, but you have a five star in Arnold who's now on the roster. So that there is a little more depth there that if something happens to Gabriel, that you're in a little better shape. But there are still a lot of questions on this roster. I am neutral as far as preseason on boomer sooner shout out to all my friends down in norman been there lovely place uh it's been just like you would expect the fire hose is fully inserted uh in my mouth here and uh, we've been blowing and going and so let's move on to two teams that of the top of my projected top six the only ones that they avoid are oklahoma sooners and that's baylor and texas tech they play the all the other teams in my top six Baylor 20 to 1 to win the Big 12. Texas Tech 9 to 1. Baylor over six and a half. Texas Tech over seven and a half as far as win total. The Baylor over six and a half is minus 150. So you're really closer to seven. Give me your quick thoughts on Baylor with Blake Shapen back. I'm not really a believer. You got this misstate transfer, Robertson, who maybe could get some run and could threaten Shapen if 
He turns the ball over. Uh, can they? Can the defense finally generate pressure? Word word is they're going to be shifting more to a scheme that is more aligned with the roots of Aranda. Yep. The offensive line a bit concerning, but they do have eight home games, five Big Twelve home games. They also get Utah in week two, which could be big because Cam Rising might not be back. Really tricky game for them will be just to highlight one spot here. Week five at UCF will be their first road game at the bounce house. And UCF, you know, is going to be up for any home Big 12 game. Sandwiched in between Texas and Texas Tech. Sandwiches. We'll start with Baylor here. What do you see with the Bears? Yeah, I mean, the Bears are loaded in the running back room. Richard Reese was all freshman everything last year. He's coming back. You know, they've got other names in that running back unit that are just going to be fantastic. They rebuilt the offensive line through the portal. They did the same thing with the defensive backs. They had to. They were getting torched. It's the reason Ron Roberts lost his job. But to stay on the offensive side of the ball, Blake Shapin is going to be challenged by Sawyer Robertson. And nobody's really talking about that because I think Dave Aranda learned his lesson about telling Bohannon, like, hey, Shapin's going to be the quarterback and Bohannon hit the portal. Right. I need two quarterbacks. You want to win a conference title, you need two quarterbacks. So I think we may see Sawyer Robinson pretty quick. I know August 2nd, I think the portal, you know, this portal, that. But I, I think Aranda learned his lesson is going to keep his cards close to his vest. The defense really fell off. That's that's where Baylor really got hit last year. And you would not expect that to happen with Dave Aranda. But they fell to 119th and third down conversions. They've retooled through the portal, finished 23rd, top 25 in portal rankings. Expect Matt Powledge to come in, run a 3-3-5, quarters, lot. I mean, Aranda loves to run all different kinds of personnel on defense. So we'll see them return to that. They've got to get better in creating pressure with just four men. I do like over seven, over seven minus 120. I see out there, I project them 8.2. There are spots on the schedule. I do think that they beat Utah. Long Island's up there, Texas State. They should have, we want to see if the defense secondary is back. We'll find it against Spavadol's Bobcats on offense. But there are other places to win here at Cincinnati, not scared of off of a bye, but over seven for Baylor for me. And then hosting Houston at home, a very uh, undisciplined team that we'll get to. I'm neutral on Baylor. Leaned over, slight lean to the over, but worried about the offensive line. Look, one returning starter is moving from tackle to guard. Um, I mean, they lost, what, three six-year seniors and a four-year starter at left tackle. And right. then, you know, you lose your nose guard to the NFL and, and player also in the interior, but with a rebuilt secondary. To play devil's yeah. advocate, hold on, to play devil's advocate to the offensive line, a couple of their transfers are from BYU, which is where Jeff Grimes recruited them originally. Sure. Yep. So it's his guys. Yeah, right? they know the scheme. The Bar- the Barrington brothers are were brought in. Um, but there's, you know, some moving pieces on the defense, new scheme, especially in that secondary and the interior, the D-line I'm worried about. Um, yeah, you're right. There are some, There is some familiarity with the offensive line, and I'm not a shaping guy. Well, so I passed, but do lean over. Texas Tech been getting a lot of love as a sleeper. Yep. Um, you know, they've, they've taken some money. I think at Benham Gym specifically, they were, I don't know, 11, 12 to 1. They're down to 9 to 1, over 7.5, even money. Chug is back at quarterback. He's 8 and 1 as a starter at Texas Tech. Can he stay healthy is the question. If he doesn't, Morton is back. My guy, Baron Morton, who I love, another year under his belt. So there is some depth there. Year two of the Kitley system. Um, I, like st- I love some of the skill position pieces. Around them, they get, you know, their right guard, Spencer, back from injury. That allows Wilburn to slide to right guard, which is his natural spot. And, like, I think all the pieces of the offensive line could really come together. 
Uh, they did lose Thompson, but I think they're fine at running back. Like, this is a loaded wide receiver room. Solid one-two punch at running back. Doug Morton right there. Offense has potential for days, year two of the system. The defense, secondary is probably the strength. Four super seniors um, back there. Do have some questions up front. Remember, you lose Tyree Wilson, first-round draft pick. Yeah. Bringing Linton from QC or helping can can – really do some things they have four home big 12 games it's tricky non-conference i mean at wyoming oregon at home you know then you do get a break with tarleton state but manageable road league schedule before the finale at texas you host kansas state tcu avoid oklahoma um really veteran team elite offensive depth but there's the one thing i will say about them at three all overtime wins last year they're going to go for fourth downs a ton yep there's just going to be a ton of variance with them like they're going to have a game where they just don't get any fourth downs and then you could lose at Wyoming, right? Like, or you, you know, you go to Texas, you convert three or four fourth downs, you win. Um, so I will say that, but what do you see with Texas tech in year two of Joey McGuire? There's a lot of correlations everybody's making to the 2022 version of TCU being the 2023 Texas tech. That's a really high bar because nobody was talking. Well, the only people that were talking about TCU a year ago at this time was this podcast I love hearing, oh, nobody knew about TCU. Well, hey, maybe you should listen to the BBOC podcast. Uh, a lot of people are making. Now, first off, we do have quarterback depth, right? There's a similarity. Uh, we do have an offensive coordinator that is proven and can absolutely light up the scoreboard. And he goes into the transfer portal and gets his center from Western Kentucky and Rusty Stats. So that yeah, was a huge pull for me to get them to do that. Highest fourth down attempts in FBS. I asked Joey McGuire about that, and he said, oh, yeah, we have a – we have a meeting every Thursday to review it with a consulting company. And that's, this isn't just a fluke that we finished up, you know, number one of fourth downs with that's our identity and we are going to continue to do it. So, you know, McGuire, um, Kitley, they're going to be gambling men when it comes to going forward on fourth down, that's not going to stop. They do get 78% of their PBUs back on the defensive side of the ball. That's also a plus Tim DeRuiter actually got this team top 35 in defensive finishing drives. I think 25th in defensive success rate. They do give up explosive. They finished outside the top 100 in coverage. They still give up pass explosives. They were 119th in pass EPA on defense. That's got to get better against this conference. I don't see you going to Texas in the last game of the year and beating Quinn Ewers, A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, if you are still bottom 15 in the nation and giving up pass explosives. So if you take that loss out of them, I can completely understand people want to take a win total over. I get it. But to say that they're going to win this conference and to say that they're going to be in the Big 12 championship game when your trenches have to go against Kansas State and Baylor retooled offensive line, to me, that's where I get a little bit hesitant because there are teams that are strong in the trench that will punch them in the face, and there's other offenses that can throw downfield on the secondary, and that's where I start having problems with Texas Tech. I get it if everybody wants to have the love on the over, but I just can't get there when it comes to conference. Yeah, I, I still have the defense. I mean, the secondary is experienced, but they look, I mean, not only lose Tyree Wilson, you lost five of your top six tacklers, you lost two really good linebackers. You're moving some pieces around there. This team is, I still don't trust their defense. Yep. Look, their offense is going to be great. Load up the eight of their not top nine wide receivers back. They had McCray from Austin Peay. The kid could fly. Like he's going to make some big plays on this, in this offense. But I, like, they're just it's the reason I mentioned the fourth down variance is they're not going to get many stops and teams aren't going to get many stops against them. And then like the, the fourth downs are going to just swing a lot of these games. Like 
they're, they're huge, right? They're going to go for fourth down more than any team in the country. So I'm passing on any preseason play on Texas Tech, but should be a really fun team to watch. This is like an old school Texas Tech like offense that has just so much potential. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to McMurphy's team. Do you want to say something to the group, Mr. McMurphy? Oklahoma State, they won the lottery. I will say that. They won the schedule lottery. They avoid Texas, TCU, Baylor, and Texas Tech for my projected top six. That is more than anybody. They really won the lottery. They play four new members. They play BYU, Cincy, UCF, and Houston. They host Kansas State, Kansas, and Oklahoma. Great road league slate. And they have five Big 12 home games. Their road games are at Iowa State, at Arizona State, week two, at West Virginia, at UCF, and at Houston. I mean, you cannot ask for a better schedule for Oklahoma State, who has had 17 straight winning seasons. Win total over 6.5 plus 110, Big 12, 40-1 to at BetMGM. New quarterback, Alan Bowman, who hasn't started the game since 2020. Wrangle's also in the mix. They only have one of their top five pass catchers back. New D.C. and scheme. Defensive coordinator coming from the D2 ranks. Moving to a 3-3-5. <laughs> you have an experienced offensive line. Lots of change everywhere. Just transfers. A lot of new pieces. New uh, new schemes. Like, both ways. Like Does Gundy get it done again with this easy schedule and all of this change? Make sense of Oklahoma State. I can't get over Gundy telling us he had high school coaches on the list for a defensive coordinator. Like, I see, he goes, they were down there, but they were on the list. Like, Gundy was obsessed with finding a defensive coordinator that was different, not the same old college football battered journeyman defensive coordinator. He wanted somebody with strong concepts uh, that could run the 3-3-5 stack because he wanted to switch from a 4-2-5 and come in with a 3-3-5 front because that's what needs to be played in the Big 12. He knows that. And so he found Brian Nardo at D2 Gannon. And I actually had uh, a trivia question for you. What is the mascot for D2 Gannon? I'm not going to ask Gannon, you where it's yeah. at. Yeah. Brian Nardo Gannon. is from D2 Gannon. It's not the Legend of Zelda. It's not a video game. So, yeah, like It's Gannon University, it's called? It's in Pennsylvania. It Lyon. is Gannon University. Yeah, that's in. I think it's up in like Lake Erie, but I don't know the mascot. I'll say, well, Jonathan Gannon was a defensive well, He's not a head coach of the Cardinals. Uh, so I'll say the Gannon Cardinals. I have no idea. Interestingly enough, they are the Golden Knights. So, uh, mm. yeah, Brian Nardo comes from the Gann- D- D2 Gannon Golden Knights. He's got a big job in front of him. They finished 119th in tackling last year. They're going to go through a scheme change. There's a lot going on uh, with this team, and and it's I think it's going to be tough sledding from a defensive side. Now, the offense is the reason I'm on the under on Oklahoma State. And trust me, I don't take that lightly because – you mentioned that Gundy, they've had 17 winning seasons in a row. He's been to 17 straight bowls. So what you're really looking at is, is can he get to six? I think they could get to six, but when you say under six and a half, I mean, there's some wiggle room there. I am, I think I'm the only one in the world because I literally was sitting around a group of guys that I trust in the gambling circle. And they're just saying the numbers have just gone too far against Gundy. And I said, okay, I think they're kind of justified because all Gundy would tell myself and Brett. I mean, we just, it was the three of us just talking for a good 20 minutes. And Gundy talked about how we're changing all of our run schemes on the offensive line. We are into man blocking schemes. We're changing to gap blocking schemes. Oklahoma State has taken a step. This is his words, not mine. 
Oklahoma State has taken a step back from running the ball the past two seasons, and that has put too much pressure on our quarterbacks, and whoever's under center has, ha- has been asked to do too much, and until Oklahoma State can come back and run the ball, we're going to continue to have problems at the quarterback position. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, he's just essentially telling us that the entire offensive line, which has had problems in the past anyways, is now completely changing their blocking schemes for Alan Bowman, and they're going to try to do pass protection for Alan Bowman, who's had his lung punctured, I think, twice, and he's thrown 12 passes since 2022, right? So I can't get over – I can accept the Brian Nardo D2 coordinator hire, and we're switching schemes. But when I hear that the offensive line is going to go from man to gap because we want to have an emphasis on running and a conference full of loaded, explosive offenses – it's just red flags all over the place for me, Stucky. I don't want to go against Gundy. I see the record. I acknowledge it. I'm going under six and a half. My projection's at 5.7. Don't hate it at all. Let me get to rub it in with McMurphy. I was all, I was hating Oklahoma State last year. Maybe you can bring <laughs> some more salt to the table this year. We'll finish up with the old school members before we get the new members. Iowa State, 40 to 1 to win the Big 12, over 5.5 minus 110. I was all ready to buy Iowa State. They're 0 and 10 the last 10 games decided by seven or less. One and six in one possession games last year. They were missing so many field goals, settling for field goals, red zone regression, special teams regression, turnover regression. They were 115th in turnover margin. They just close games. Anywhere you look at it, they're they were due for a bounce back. And I trust Campbell. I trust their defensive coordinator. Bringing a new OC, new O line coach, healthy running back room now. But I mean. And if you look at the schedule, they did lose the schedule last year. I mean, they avoid Houston, UCF, West Virginia. Not great. They play six of the top seven projected teams. Tough road slate, only four home Big 12 games. And they do have to replace defensive end McDonald and, and wide receiver Hutchinson. Two big losses. Um, still really like their secondary. I was ready to buy them over five and a half just to get to a bowl. But with this gambling, the gambling scandal, I don't know what's going on. It's it's wait and see with Iowa State. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, I I want the over, but with this uh, this gambling probe that's going on that Matt Campbell wasn't able to talk about, it kind of holding on them. I do have them projected well over the five and a half that's in the market. If Hunter Deckers is not able to play, then you've kind of got to take probably about a four point swing in PR when you go down to say JJ Cole or Rocco Beck. So uh, we're kind of waiting on that. I think one key thing about Deckers is to be there. He's one of the most pressured quarterbacks in all of college football. He had 155 pressures and 458 attempts last season. The offensive line has got to provide him a little bit better. One thing I did talk to Matt Campbell about was the struggle last year was the fact that he was completely depleted in the tight end room. Campbell wants to run his offense 13, 14. He's got tight ends and motion going everywhere, confusing the hell out of every defense in that conference. He says that he is loaded in the tight end at the depth chart, and he is back to running 12, 13, 14 every time. I like that. That's a positive. That's one of the reasons I wanted over five and a half. They do lose 75% of their pressures and stops on the defensive side of the ball. So that is something for John uh, Heacock to to kind of manage. They do have an aggressive 27% blitz, 45% returning on the defense that was 21st in defensive finishing drive. So the, they know how to coach, but they lose a lot of players. So I don't know if they can maintain it. Yeah, Donald and Anderson, tough to replace. Really tough to replace. But at the same time, this number is five and a half. That number is way lower. I mean, <laughs> it's way lower than what I have them at. Uh, Northern Iowa, Ohio, I would not expect them to have problems with that. We'll see what happens with Hunter Deckers. But at the same time, the rest of the schedule is with Cincinnati on it, Kansas on it. 
Um, there's and BYU. I mean, BYU, we're, we're going to get to massive struggles on defense. There's opportunities here for them to get to six wins. When Matt Campbell tells me he's extremely comfortable with his tight end room, that makes me comfortable. Just kind of need Deckers in here as the final piece. But if he's not going to play, I'll take four points off their PR. That's probably going to bump them down to what this five and a half, six win total is for me. Yeah, I mean, any suspensions. And look, I'm not speculating. They're just rumors of Deckers. And yep. the quarterbacks hang out together. So, like, what if it's, right, it's multiple quarterbacks? Who knows? So, I'll wait and see. And if there are suspensions, say it's early, like Iowa at home at Ohio, who's going to be good uh, with our boy yeah. Oklahoma State at home. Like, those are swing games that, that would could swing based on suspensions. But, yeah, wait and see. I was already to fire them to – get back to bowl eligibility after their five-year bowl streak ended last year. Uh, let's talk about Kansas. Kansas win total also over five and a half. I think this one time was six and a half has come down. Choose to yeah. over five and a half at MGM minus 150, 40 to one to win the big 12. Um, I'm buying Kansas. I'll tell you that they have five big 12 home games. They do avoid Baylor and TCU out of my top projected six manageable road schedule outside of Texas. Like they're at Nevada, Nevada, sorry at Oklahoma State, at Iowa State, at Cincy. I trust this staff. I love this staff. I love this offensive staff. They bring everybody back on offense. they got quarterback depth with Bean back, backing up Daniels. I think like over 90% of their production returns. Um, you know, you did lose Bostic at left tackle, but, you know, you brought in a former five-star from Wisconsin. I just love this offense, and it's all scheme-based. It's it's there's no star in the wide receiver room because you just can't game plan for any one person. I, I, you're not going to get the negative plays. It's, it's just a, a great scheme. You haven't had, had McDuffie, you ran for a thousand yards at Buffalo. Love the offense. Yeah. Defense still has some questions. Yeah. They lose their all, their entire defensive line. Transfers and youth got to step up. They do bring their secondary back, both starting linebackers. But I think that the defensive line, like the turnover is extreme, but it can't get worse. I, I actually like some of the pieces they brought in. The defense was bad last year. It's not going to be good. Yeah. I just need a, a slight uptick um, is all I need. But um, I also think the special teams could be a little bit better, which has plagued them in recent years. So, yeah, I'm going to trust the offense. I'm going to trust this staff to get to bowl eligibility. For those of you that like the path, it's like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm a little down on Illinois, too. They host Illinois, big swing game week two. Here's the path. Missouri State, Illinois, you win those games at Nevada, host BYU. Could start 4-0 easily. Yep. Then you're at Texas, calling that a loss. Home against UCF, another winnable game. Probably be a shootout. You're at Oak State, by Home against Oklahoma, winnable game. Then you're at Iowa State, who knows what's going on with them. That's winnable. And then you're home against Texas Tech, Kansas State, and then at Cincy. Might just need to grab one of those last three or four to get to six. I'm going to trust Leopold and the Jacks to get to six wins. Wouldn't play this at six and a half. Comfortable playing at five and a half and laying some juice. So the reason you're going to win this, and I like it too, I would actually play over six and minus 125. I projected 6.3. The reason why you're going to cash this ticket is because Jason Bean decided to come back to Lawrence. Jalen Daniels is unbelievable. That offense with Devin Neal, the amount of motion, shotgun, pistol, misdirection, counter, and Okadonlicky. I he's not going to be in Lawrence very long. He's going to be an offensive coordinator in the SEC, maybe the NFL or whatever, but he's 
not long for this position because of how good they are running counter. Uh, it is heavy and play action pass. This is one of the most complicated offenses. If you've not seen it and you don't know, and you bite on their motion, that's what we know. That was the whole, the whole handicap last year is, are you going to bite on Kansas's motion? Missouri state, not a problem. Illinois, new defensive coordinator against this offense, doing all this stuff. Crazy. Nevada, no chance. BYU, no chance. So yeah, you're going to be set up in a really good position. The problem with Kansas is the defense. I think it's more than some questions. They finished 122nd in defensive havoc last year. Nothing is going to improve that. They're only getting 56% of their defense back. They were 128th in stuff rate. They're going to get pushed around. They're going to beat teams that get into a shootout with them. And you know who that points me to? Coming off of a bye and beating Oklahoma. That's exactly, I mean, it's games like that that are going to get this over. And the fact that I said outside of Texas, there's a very huge gap that goes into a, a laundry list of mediocre teams in this conference. That if, if they want to get into a shootout with Kansas, Kansas will be happy to oblige and probably win the game. So I love Jalen Daniels. I love the offense. And the fact that Jason Bean is there in case Daniels gets hurts again and, and Bean comes in and plays the way he did last year. This is an over team for me all the way. Just don't expect any defense. The defense is still going to struggle under Brian Borland. Yeah, no, no, the D's going to be bad. That's that's a given. I do think special teams could be a little bit better. I, but I do think that their their bodies up front could be just a tad bit better, but still not going to be good. Before we get to the four newcomers, West Virginia, 200 to 1 to win the Big 12 at BetMGM. Went to over 4.5 minus 140. <laughs> Insane. They have a brutal road schedule, only four yeah. Big 12 home games. They also have Pitt and Penn State non-conference. They avoid Texas and Kansas State. It's the only good thing I could say. You got a new OC, new quarterback, three brand new receivers. I'm buying them. Uh, you got a, you have top, lost your top four receivers. Four, your offensive line returned four of your top five. D-line rebuild after Stills lost to the NFL. You lost Jefferson to LSU. There's a lot of moving pieces here. You're buying your boy, Neil Brown, on the hot seat. Why? Tell us why. Yeah, well, first off, I do project this at six wins, not the four and a half that's out there in the market. And, you know, the the offense does get some really quality players back on the offensive line. You're getting Zach Frazier at center, one of the best in the Big 12. Really good garden tackle and Doug Nestor and Wyatt Milam. So offensive line is a huge strength. And behind that is running back C.J. Donaldson, who was, I think, freshman of the year. Uh, you know, they got Anderson in the back and, and Johnson in the background. They're going to be a heavy rush team. Neil Brown said so. I'm taking over play calling duties. Yes, Chad Scott is the new offensive coordinator. He likes to run a lot of outside inside zone. He's been promoted from running back coach. And Neil Brown is calling the plays because I believe Garrett Green is going to be the starting quarterback here. And they're going to do what they did in the month of November, which led them to a win over Oklahoma as an eight and a half point dog, a win over Oklahoma State in the last game of the season as a seven and a half point dog. They finally found an identity. The inside zone was never going to work with JT Daniels, ever. Why do you have a guy that's been injured his entire life trying to run that offense? I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. So now we're going to change schemes, get the hair layer rate out of here, turn me into a running team. CJ Donaldson. It's all, all in, all in on ground attack, top four yes. running backs back, all five offensive linemen back. Yeah. Plus, you promoted a running back coach to offensive coordinator At the, with a mobile quarterback in green, which makes so much sense. Yeah, and and so I think that they're going to be – and there are teams in this conference that can't handle – don't have the defensive front seven to do what Garrett Green and C.J. Donaldson want to do with a great offensive line. So for that reason, I'm going over four and a half. 
The defensive back seven, yes, is a big issue. I Jordan Leslie, the defensive coordinator, hopefully he can figure it out with his nickel packages. He has a low 17% blitz rate. I don't think he's asking too much here. And they do have the toughest schedule of Big 12 offenses per SP+. Plus, but they're going to decrease tempo here with this running game. And they're going to shorten possessions. And they're going to try to beat people on the ground. And for me, that's going to catch a few off guard. I'm going to take West Virginia over four and a half. Hey, swarm and tackle. It's Mountaineer pride from the heart. Leave no doubt tonight. Yeah, Not this night. yeah I mean, they're past the question but they brought in miller from kent state who i like and bishop from minnesota at, they needed two new corners but pasty was so bad last year could only go up they brought in a, a kickoff specialist too their kickoffs were horrendous last year giving up so much field position that should help your path here over four and a half it's safe to assume this is pretty reasonable you you went you beat duquesne oklahoma state byu and cincy at home yeah that gets you to four wins you're gonna lose at penn state you can you beat pitt or texas tech at home Sure. Could you steal a game at Houston um, or at UCF? I mean, not likely, but yeah, you just need one more game out of those four. You're also at Oklahoma, you know, at Baylor, at TCU. They're not impossible games. Cincinnati, um, that's a win. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they they should. I, I feel comfortable saying they're going to get those Cincinnati, BYU, Duquesne, and Oak State at home. Like, that's a good floor four. And, uh, yeah, if this rushing offense pans out, I would agree. I think it's over or nothing. All right, let's talk the four new newcomers before we get get to three and out. A major question is how are these four teams going to handle this step up in competition? Look, they've played power five teams before. It's more about do they have the depth uh, to sustain a power five schedule? We have a lot of coaches here, like I mentioned earlier in the show, that have experience at the power five level. Obviously talking about BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF. Uh, I'll tell you, Cincinnati, another schedule lottery winner. They avoid Texas, TCU, Kansas State, and Texas Tech for my top six. They also have five Big 12 home games. I don't care. I am selling Cincy. I'll tell you that right now. They got absolutely gutted by the transfer portal. Their top six wide receivers are gone. Um, you know, it's a brand new coach in Satterfield who I'm not about, I don't believe in. And especially in like just a brand new team, like trying to fix all this in one year and nope, not buying it. You have all this change for a team that just got crushed. Those are top eight receivers. 20 career FBS starts on the offensive line. The D line should be strong. You know, you have some linebackers are gone though. Your secondary got crushed for the second straight year. I know that their schedule is great, but I'm going under five and a half all day. They're going to beat Eastern Kentucky at home, probably beat Miami of Ohio. You got Iowa State at home, UCF, Kansas at home. Yes, there's some winnable games, but I'm selling Cincy all the way. Do you agree? And I think you mentioned earlier you're, you're selling BYU. I well, I 100 on agree on Cincinnati. I mean, their best players on this team are a defensive tackle, a linebacker, and their punter Mason Fletcher. He's going to be someone that we'll talk about. Sadly, he's on this squad. Uh, they lose so much on defense after finishing fourth in pass rush per PFF. Then on the offensive side, they were 14th in stuff rate, but they get, you know, they get hammered there too. So I don't expect them to repeat that. They're below 46% of tarp on both sides of the ball. New blocking scheme for these offensive linemen. I just talked about how much of an impact that is for Oklahoma State. Now over here with Cincinnati, you got Emory Jones and what might be his sixth or seventh season. I, I can't figure it out, but he has more turnover worthy plays than big time throws in his career. And a lot of his career 
it's been a garbage time. So that that's, you know, not a good thing. So I am with you on the under here for Cincinnati BYU. I don't, I, I don't want to hate on these guys. I, don't, I love Kalani Sataki, but the defense, the defense really fell off the map last year. I mean, we're talking dead last in almost every single category when it comes to containing rush and pass explosives. When it comes to anything in the secondary, the defense was a hundred and thirtieth in finishing drives. Went out and got Jay Hill from the FCS level. He was the top FCS defense at Weber State. Uh, they're going to go to man coverage. I, I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to work in the Big Twelve, but that's what Jay Hill has called before uh, through a four three. And you know the port they're reloaded their offensive line through the portal. Uh, the entire defensive staff and some of the defensive players have been rebuilt. I, you can't, there's nowhere to go. I mean, this is UMass levels of the five factors on defense, and we'll see if they can pick it up and get better. Kadon Slovis transfers in to play quarterback. I'm not sure I'm warm on that. It seems like he's either been hurt or inefficient and stops at USC, Pitt. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But they did finish top 20 in the portal, so there's a lot of changes to this roster. I actually project them a little over six wins, so I can see over five and a half at plus money, plus 105 is out there. I do like Aiden Robbins at running back. He was part of that tandem with Doug Brumfield, UNLV, attacking uh, on the ground. But, uh, you know, I think this is a hard step up, and this is a a complete reset from a coaching staff and a personnel perspective on defense. So it is a no play for me on BYU. Yeah, thin wide receiver group. I do like the hire, the D.C. hire. They, they got to be more aggressive. They got to generate pressure, and the dropping eight wasn't working. So I love this. They're going to be more aggressive, four-man front, multiple looks. Just what they were doing last year would not have worked. So I love this hire. I don't know if it'll work this year necessarily, but I do like some of the portal ads. The past, he was horrendous last year, but they had so many injuries. They also had a lot of injuries at linebacker. Only one linebacker started eight games. So there's only, there's only one way to go, but up. So can the scheme, some portal ads improve this defense? I think so, but depth is a concern. The injuries could play a role again, like with this schedule. Um, So, yeah, it's a no play for me. They'll probably pull an upset or two. Mm -hmm. And maybe at at Arkansas week three, revenge revenge game. Over five and a half plus 125, as you said, it is a pass for me. The two teams that we didn't mention, before we get to UCF, let's go to Houston. Interesting roster. I mean, eight of your top nine tacklers are gone on defense. You have a new quarterback in Donovan Smith. You might, might, his name might sound familiar. He's played in this conference at Texas Tech, but you did lose mm, Tank Dell to the NFL. You also lost Carter at receiver. Those are two big losses, but their wide receiver still has a ton of talent. Very interesting roster. Their Daniel Holgerson's going to call, he's going to take over the O and call plays. Win total over four and a half minus 130. 201 to win the Big 12. I will say they do play three teams coming off of a bye, which is interesting, but they have five home Big 12 games and they avoid Oklahoma and Texas. Eight games are in Houston because they play at Rice, which is in Houston, and they only leave the state of Texas twice, and that's at Kansas State and at UCF in the finale. So pretty favorable schedule. Can they handle this step up for the full season? Definitely going to need the portal additions to work out at a couple places. What do you see with Dana and company? I love Dana. If anybody, if anybody in, ever gets to have a one-on-one with him, that's one of the most interesting guys I've ever had a conversation with. I had to choose one coach to have a, beer, a drink with a night out. 
Actually, not just one drink, but a night out of you, Dana. <laughs> What's funny is, is everyone runs around Big 12 Media Days saying, like, did you talk to Dana? Yep. And they're like, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, he's a character. He's an absolute character. I was talking to Dana about Donovan Smith, about the transfer in. And the thing was, is he wanted to go to Houston in the first place because he was a local kid, but he went to Texas Tech and it had nothing to do. His transfer from Texas Tech had nothing to do other than the fact that quarterback room at Texas Tech is loaded, right? With Baron Morton. With Shug. So Donovan Smith is a great addition to this team. I'm not sure it's going to be able to pull off this year because there's a youth movement around the squad, uh, especially in the running back stable. And then on the defensive side, they return less than 20% of their PBUs. The schedule is conducive. They only leave the state of Texas twice. I do love the offensive coordinator hire of Amon Nagavi. He was the Tulane offensive line coach. So a lot that we saw from Willie Fritz and from Tulane, we're going to see that. And, and Holderson talked about it. Like, I hated defending that. I, I hated defending it so much. I love these head coaches. They're like, I hated prepping for this guy, so I went out and hired him. And that's exactly what their offensive coordinator is. So you're going to see a lot of two-lane concepts coming out of Houston. How effective they're going to be, probably not very good. This is probably going to be the worst unit across the board with maybe wide receiver and defensive line being a bit of a strength. But there's a lot of questions everywhere on this roster. I actually project them at 4.9. So the over four and a half juice to the over is right in line with this. So as much as I'd love to back Dana, there's just too much change from a roster and coach perspective. I mean, they're hitting a full reset button as they enter the conference. They're doing it on purpose. They're they're allowed to have a year where they just get smacked, right? Because <laughs> it's a step up in competition and, uh, and that's what's going to happen this year. Yeah. Right in line as well. And the last team is UCF. You have Plumley back at quarterback, although I think he played baseball during the spring. But you do have a new offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator as they make the step up into the Big 12, 25 to 1 to win the conference. Over 7, minus 105 at BetMGM. You can expect fast-paced offense with Plumley. Some questions on the offensive line, even though there's a ton of experience. They also lost their leading receiver in O'Keefe. Um, Bowser running back, although the running back room is still loaded. The defense has questions in the secondary for me. Losing Brown to Miami hurts. Maybe problematic in the Big 12, but I like some of the pieces up front on defense. We had a Georgia linebacker too, which definitely helps. As far as the schedule is concerned, they avoid Texas and TCU. They do only have four home games with a really good home field advantage, and they have a vicious road schedule. So when I look at this, when I when I project UCF, I'm actually right in line. But if you want to look at this from a um, – and if the secondary transfers hit, their D could be pretty good and, and serviceable, even stepping up in class. And then it just comes down to, like, can Plumlee improve his accuracy and passing efficiency? Because you're not going to be able to just rely on him running the ball all the time throughout a whole Big 12 schedule. And then you add in some injury risk as well. And, uh, by the way, Keen is gone as his backup. But yep. um, if you look at this from just a – a schedule perspective, here's their home schedule. Really good home field advantage, as we all know. Kent State at home, Villanova, Baylor, West Virginia, Oak State, and Houston. Like, really good shot to go 6-0 and there. Yep. So, over seven, can they steal two on the road? At Boise State, week two, certainly a candidate, not an easy game. At Kansas State, at Kansas, at Oklahoma, at Cincy, at Texas Tech. So, there's a couple winnable games in there. I think it's going to come down to can Plumlee take that next step? Can the secondary come together? What do you see here with UCF? Well, I think the first statement I'll make, bold prediction, it won't be this year, 
but within the next three years, UCF will win the Big 12. This uh, addition of the Big 12 is monstrous for this program. They have extremely loose uh, requirements when it comes to admissions, at least looser than Florida and Florida State, which is saying something about Florida State. The money that they're about to get into, everything is going to be a step up. And being in the state of Florida, UCF is a team. It's not going to be this year, but once Texas and OU leave and they get more money and they're recruiting, portal, everything, this is going to be the powerhouse in this conference, but not this year. This year is going to be a little bit tougher. I mean, the offensive line, the running back unit are all in rebuilds. You mentioned Plumlee. Plumlee's had 108 rushes. He had 108 rushes last year and 11 fumbles. Now, I don't know how you get him to to get that in. I mean, some quarterbacks were able to control their fumbles, like Adrian Martinez at some point. Will Plumlee be able to do the same? Still kind of questionable. They do have five Big 12 road games in the conference. They do have a road game at Boise. So as much as they have all this positive energy at the bounce house with a schedule of teams that they can beat. The road is just as tough on the defensive side of the ball. Travis Williams leaves. He goes to Arkansas. Addison Williams gets promoted from secondary coach. Now he's a defensive coordinator. No changes whatsoever. They're still going to run a four, two, five, three, three, five. They're going to run a bunch of cover three and cover zero and send eight on blitz. It's still going to be an extremely aggressive UCF defense. The offensive side really is a problem. They only return 32% per tarp. They were 11th in success rate, but now, you know, who's the Mikey Keen behind John Reese Plumlee in case there's a hamstring or in case there's an ankle or in case you're on the ground and pound and you don't dive or go out of bounds. So I project them at 6.2. I think they sweep at home. You got to get one on the road. I think that's the handicap. I'm not going to play it, but if you see one on the schedule, like a Cincinnati or a Kansas or a Boise, then they'll go over their win total. Yeah. Hopefully they help me out with my under and Cincy, which will lead us to three and out. One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out. Uh, that is the Big 12 betting preview. But of course, we have to finish our episode with some actionable items. The first of which on first down is a week zero or week one Big 12 related take. I will start with a game I already mentioned with Rice. Not sure how I'll attack it yet. But with JT Daniels, who won't be afraid of the stage, I know Rice is going to try to use more tempo this year. I don't necessarily think they'll do it this game. They know they can't win this game. They might try it a little early, but I mean, they, they might try to like late if it's out of hand. But Daniels won't be afraid of the stage. Texas isn't going to show anything here um, with Alabama in the next week. So it's a pretty good spot to back Rice. More on that in our week zero and week one preview. Colin, you got anything Big 12 related for week zero, week one? Yeah, TCU's taking on Colorado in week one. That spread is 20 with a total of 59. I expect that total to keep going up. We'll see uh, who's healthy for Colorado. We'll see if, you know, Prime, Coach Prime is healthy. But what I do know is that Colorado's going to be making their way to the Big 12, and TCU could be their first game next year. TCU, I believe, will have an agenda to absolutely put the hammer down on Colorado as a welcome back to the league, even though I think, you know, TCU was in the WAC or the Mountain West at the time. So uh, to say that I don't think the defense of Colorado can stop TCU and the spread being 20, I projected at about, you know, 23, 24. There's not much wiggle room in there. The team total for TCU should come out at about 39 and a half. I don't see it out there yet in the market, but every day I'm checking for team totals and I will be on TCU team total over 39 and a half against Colorado in the opener. This is a game where Sonny Dykes and Kendall Bryles 
will run tempo and they will not take their foot off the break, even in the fourth quarter against Deion Sanders. Also, by the way, we hope that Texas doesn't cover against Rice and struggles a bit, not showing anything. So maybe we yep. get a little extra value week two against Alabama. All right. Second down, favorite under. I'll start under Cincy, under five and a half. This team, new coach, new coordinators, new quarterback. They, they've been gutted uh, on offense. It's a complete rebuild. Their secondary has been gutted for a second straight year. That's not great in this conference. Step up in class with all of this change. Not a Satterfield guy. I'm going under five and a half with the Bearcats, even though they did win the Big 12 schedule lottery. I do not see them getting to bowl eligibility this year. Colin, favorite under? I'm going Oklahoma under nine and a half. This is a team that is regressing back to mediocrity in the pack, and that's before they go to the SEC. Brent Venables was pretty active in the transfer portal, but you didn't do anything to upgrade your linebacker positions. Danny Stutzman is still going to be there. A lot of missed tackles last year. Uh, This is not the guy that is to speed what Venables needs at a linebacker position uh, to call this defense. And when you put that in combination with an offense, it's trying to go as fast as possible under Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel. It's going to turn into boomer bust again. There were a lot of blanks on this schedule last year. Texas blew them out. TCU, I mean, there are just teams that are going to jump all over them if they are not able to improve their tackling and they're not able to improve against the explosive pass. And Oklahoma, through the portal and what they brought in, is not really shown what they can do in the defensive front seven. So I think Oklahoma is still going to be short on defense. That's going to lead to losses more than just Texas. And if they don't improve their tackling or their fundamentals on that side of the ball under Brent Venables, this could be a six or seven win team. And Venables could be in trouble with his job by the time we get to Thanksgiving. So give me under nine and a half on the Sooners. Yeah, not a lot of patience that that fan base will have with another season like last year. And, a lot of depth issues across the board, which could come back to bite them. And finally, we will go to third down, which is our favorite over or future. Maybe you'll add to this, but I'm going to say I like Texas to win the Big 12 even money or better. I, the roster's there. They have the depth. I finally trust the defense, the offensive line, and I'm just lower than the market on some of the other top teams, including Oklahoma which gives Texas an even bigger bump. But maybe you'll mention that. The win total over that I want to mention is Kansas over five and a half. Now that this has come down from six and a half, I trust this staff and this electric, well-schemed offense to get to bowl eligibility. Give me Kansas to get to at least six wins this year. Comedy got us a future or over in the Big 12. From a future perspective, we're going Texas. I think your stop on the buy is at minus 120. You're essentially using this as a money line wager in the Big 12 championship game in Arlington. So you don't want it to get too far on the juice in case you need to come back and hedge what could be a large position, depending on how much you want to bet. I am very well invested on Texas, and that is the plan that I'm going to have. They have the best unit. doesn't matter if it's quarterback, running back, offensive line, or you go to the defensive side of the ball. They have the best unit, the best grouping of any team in the Big 12. They're co- they have coach stability. They've proven it in the five-factor stat court categories on both sides of the ball. They can be top 25. They are in a tier by themselves, and Texas is the future to play. But from a win total, I'm going to go to the bottom of the conference. I'm going to say West Virginia over four and a half. If you want to wait, I think the, the hate and the negativity is still coming, 
And if you want to wait till August 20th to buy a future on them, I would suggest that because at four, if I see a four, I'm going to buy it again. And the reason is because they have found an identity at the end of last year with Garrett Green at a quarterback who can run RPO. He can take it on the ground. He can tuck it and he can bowl people over. If you look at November last year, West Virginia upset both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State as more than a touchdown underdog because those defenses in the front seven couldn't handle what West Virginia wants to do. Neil Brown is overtaking play calling again backed by an OC that's his running back coach. Trust me, they're going ground. They're going to limit possessions and they're going to pound on defenses that can't handle the run. And there's plenty of them on this big 12 schedule. So I'm going to take West Virginia over four and a half. Back to your boy and Neil Brown nation. Go ears. Shout out to all of my peeps in Morgantown, country roads. That'll do it for us. Thanks as always to Colin for joining me. Thanks to our audio and video teams on the back end. Thanks of course, most importantly to all of you, if you haven't listened to some of the preview episodes that have already been out, make sure you check those out. Subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend, tell an enemy. You know the drill. It's great to be back. We're all sweating college football soon enough. Thanks for joining us. Good luck on all of your future bets. And hope you took a couple good nuggets away from this episode. We will see you with more previews shortly. Cheers. Peace out. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.